Welcome to the Path 5 Podcast. The Path 5 team is a dedicated group of professionals hailing from diverse backgrounds, all anchored in making the world a safer place. Thanks for joining us while we dive into today's topic. Good evening or good afternoon, folks. Whatever's going on, it's your boy, Bro Neil. I'm here with Path 5. I hope everything's going on right now. Hope it's going well. Today, we're going to be diving into another gear-related episode by popular request. Myself and Jetpack are going to be hosting this one. It's, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a fact-fighting combo for us. We're going to be talking about homicidal pants holders. I myself have to wear a duty belt on the day-to-day, but right now, I'm in the market for a battle belt. I'm looking to Big Daddy Midas and the team to hash this one out for me. Jetpack, I think you're, you're kind of in a similar situation, yeah? Yeah, I most certainly am. Um, I'm gearing up for an army trip across the pond here in uh, oh, the not-so-distant future. Um, and I need to get something that kind of suits me within the next uh, few months. And so I never really considered having one um, up until this point. Um, hasn't been something that I've, I've really I've, I've needed. But, uh, but now I think it makes a lot of sense. So I'm, I'm pretty much open to just about anything that the team thinks uh, is going gonna, is gonna to suit me. Oh, really? So with that being said, you guys want to talk through some different configurations? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, um, I really only have a lot of experience with my duty belt, right? And that's the thing that I wear every day. I got my Glock, I got some mags, and a bunch of other goodies. And there's there's a lot that goes into a duty belt versus a battle belt, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my duty belt, I have a baton, I have OC, I have Narcan, I have a breathing barrier. Those are some things that are not going to be necessary when it comes to you know, a, a more driven purpose of a battle belt. Right, so I want to have a battle belt that is reliant on itself, that has its own, you know, tailor-made characteristics, and and I can go into different ideologies of what happens between a duty belt and a baddie belt, uh, battle belt. Ooh, a baddie um, belt. I like that. a baddie belt. Ooh. Um. So when you look at a battle belt, you don't usually have active retention, which is a huge thing when it comes to duty belts. You know, active retention is is a major thing when you're walking through the public. When someone can grab your firearm, you're not, you know, you're not looking to have um, passive resistance. You're looking to have active resistance, which are things That's- like hidden triggers, hit things like hoods on top of firearms, you know? That's actually a pretty good, that's a pretty good uh, distinction, I think, that you just made right there. That's that's something that I honestly wasn't even really aware of, but it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it's it's huge. It is such a big deal because the threat is different, right? With a battle belt, you're going to engage a target before they're close enough to touch you. Well... Whereas with a duty belt... You know, you're you're there. You're interacting with the public. Anyone can kind of come up, roll up on you, and you know, kind of try and take a firearm away. And there's also an emphasis on less than lethal, and that takes up space and it takes up weight. Um, I mean, personally, I've never used my baton in a less than lethal situation. I've only used it for prying open doors, and I've only used it for breaking glass. Um, whereas OC, I mean, I I personally think that OC should be carried by everyone. That 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 stuff is gnarly. Oh yeah. Well, so, I got a question for you. So you just you mentioned weight. So with your current duty belt setup, what is that? What does that weigh? Have you ever weighed that independently? I have. So. On most days, um, when I got the radio, when I got the the full duty belt going on, that weighs anywhere from twelve to eighteen pounds, which is a lot of weight to have right on the hips. You know, that's that's not a it's not a good amount of weight, 
right? You, you know, when you're right. carrying that for six, seven, eight miles, uh, that, that will weigh down on parts of your body you didn't expect to have fatigue. Right. Yeah, which is just further shows the necessity for those big, thick boy hips you got. That's factual. They, they ain't no lie with that. And I got birthing hips. <laughs> but, right. you know, weight distribution becomes a real thing. You know, your, your firearm, obviously, that's that's an integral part. But you, you try and balance everything off of that. And, you know, uh, I don't know how to transition to a quote-unquote battle belt and, and keep that kind of same weight distribution or, or just longevity. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. And, I mean, this is, I don't know, we're, we're, we're going to get a little bit personal here. Uh, when, when you're pooping with a duty belt, duty belt comes off. Man, that's, that's, that's the truth of the life right there. Yeah. Duty belt comes off, you pop the keepers, and, and you know. You just hang it? Do you no, hang no, it no, man. No, 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 no. That's dangerous. Do what you, you drape do it is over your shoulder you go to the like baby rainbow? changing table. You go oh, okay. to the baby changing table and you pop that shit right on there. Wham bam, thank you, ma'am. So you're the guy who's always taking like the big handicap bathroom. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I am handicapped by the duty belt itself. You know, like that that's my personal handicap. <laughs> it's a oh. tactical decision to poop in the yeah, biggest so, area possible. So I, I kind of want to remove myself from that. And I've, I've seen all of this stuff about, you know, Velcro inner belts and having the right belt on to put the, the, oh, yeah. the battle belt on top of it. And I, I, I kind of want to see where that lays out. Because personally for me, Velcro wears out quick. But, right. you know, I also have to take into account the fact that I'm using it on a day-to-day basis. Right. If I'm not using it on a day-to-day basis, you know... Do you feel like Velcro can stand the test of time? Nope, that's fair. And so, yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, I've got an upcoming trip abroad, and and I'm looking at getting everything squared away now um, while I still have time to kind of figure all this out. Um, And, I mean, I'm really looking to to get something that's good, Um, you know, well-made, um, from a company that kind of specializes in making these, these belts, you know, I know there's, there's a lot of people who make them in just a little bit of online fumbling I've done. I've seen that Condor makes them and stuff like that, but you know, Condor makes decent stuff, but they're kind of known for being the mass producing airsoft, uh, you know, equipping gear manufacturer. So, um, you know, I want to get something that's going to last not only for the deployment day in and day out use, um, but after that as well. And, and so, you know, I don't honestly, I mean, I don't really know where to start. Uh, like I said, I've done a little bit of research and I mean, you know, you can buy the inner belts, you, there's outer belts. Is there a difference between the two of them? I don't know. Um, is that just unique to the one or two brands I was looking at? You, you know, who, who the hell knows? I don't. Yeah, so basically anytime you're seeing a platform referencing an inner outer belt configuration, they're talking about the Velcro inner belt that would actually weave through the belt loops in your pants. So typically there's another Velcro tab on the inside, so it will self-close just like a normal belt. So you can actually wear that every day as a normal belt if you so choose. And I did that for a while, uh, especially if I was in civilian clothes and I was doing any sort of like diplomatic work around the airport uh, because I'd have my guns in the truck, but I wouldn't have them on me direct or I would have it, the pistol concealed, but I still wanted it in a modular configuration where I could slap my battle belt on over that inner belt. So basically the, the outer belt then has the opposite, uh, it typically has a harsher uh, you know, Velcro surface, you've got like the softer side, you've got the harder side. And that part actually just slaps right over the top of that Velcro and interlocks with it in that whole like hook and loop style 
on a, a micro level that Velcro does. And typically it's got a, a metal Cobra buckle on the front, which allows you to clip it in and just gives you that extra retention. It's typically attached to a D-ring as well. So I don't think it's really just a couple brands. I feel like, I mean, this, this concept was pioneered a couple years back and ever since then it has absolutely taken off. Right. Right. And, and so, and that's fair. And so then, you know, I, I get close to buying one and then, so then, you know, you, you, you settle on the belt, right? That's kind of the first part of the equation. And then, and then you're sure. kind of like, well, what, what the hell do I put on it? Is it going to interfere with my kit? Does it, well, is it going to look stupid? I, you know, I don't know. Will, will it even be functional? I mean, that that's important <laughs> too. So I yeah. mean, what did you, what did you run on your last appointment? Uh, yeah, man. So I've run a couple belts in life. Kind of kicked things off with a SGI belt, high speed gear. It was nice, but at that point, it was still before the Cobra belt buckles were really taking shape. So it kind of it had more like the old older style rigger belt setup. So I didn't really like that uh, because in doing so, you had that flap that would kind of cover the front whenever you would actually put it on you and it, it just it took up a lot of real estate and real estate is super important on a battle belt um so i wasn't really loving that one and i decided you know it's like I, i'm doing this full time i stepped into a, a you know pretty kinetic arena and i was like you know what I, i've got to i've got to spend some money on this whatever i think i'm worth you know my my dad used to tell me growing up if you got a 10 dollar head or a $10 helmet, that's pretty much the mantra that I use when uh, talking about gear, right? So I ended up doing a, a Ronin Tactics Sensei belt. Um, a lot of you guys are familiar with Two Lamb. He was a Army Green, Green Beret, Sergeant Major, recently got out of the Army, and he's been running his, his company, Ronin Tactics. A lot of really good quality stuff, and I was instantly uh, super happy with the belt. So... This is my first uh, inner outer setup with the Velcro that we talked about there. And one of the main things I really loved about it was that that outer belt is super rigid, guys. Like that thing doesn't move. And when I say it doesn't move, I'm talking about when you're actually manipulating whatever you have on your belt. If you're drawing your gun, if you're pulling mags, uh, dicking with a radio, filling your dump pouch full of gummy bears, you know, whatever you're doing, the thing's solid. There's no give, which is... It's There's a lot of digging with radios. A lot of digging with radios, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and, and that particular belt, it's got a really good uh, continuous double molly. So when I say double molly, it's got a top and a bottom section there that you can weave through. And it goes all the way around the belt. The only part that doesn't have it is the uh, D-ring retention area in the front. And I love that about it. I had plenty of real estate, more than enough room for what I needed on there. Um, it, it's a little expensive. It's somewhere around the $200 mark after shipping. So I'd say if you're not using it every day and you're not operating at a professional capacity, or if you're just balling on a budget, there are probably some more cost-effective options for you out there. Um, but you know, at that point I wore this belt cumulatively, uh, every day for a year. So it was, it was kind of what Bronio was talking about, you know, it was, it was just part of daily life at that point. Right. And in that type of environment, you wear it every day for a year. I mean, that's probably, that that's more use than you know, the average person's, you know, going to expose it to in the lifetime of, of a belt. So it, it, yeah, if it can withstand yeah. all of that, then, then that it's obviously a pretty good platform. And so you mentioned that, um, you, you mentioned repelling. And so is that just like, is it repelling? It's made for that. Like the, you know, the standard, like the rigors belt is quote unquote made for repelling. If you want to do that or and take your chances at the same thing. Uh, yeah, for the most part. I mean, the D-ring up front, 
I did use it. I didn't use it for repelling. Um, partially because, I mean, honestly, we're, we're doing a lot of stuff with helicopters, right? So if we're exiting the helicopter, it was ropes out and you'd fast rope down. Those of you who don't know, that rope is a thick boy. You're not fitting that thing in a D-ring, right? It's just hands and feet. Um, but what I did use it for was clipping myself into uh, aircraft, especially if I was dangling out the back or hanging out off the sides. We're doing some aerial gunnery platforms, doing some uh, sniping on the move. Things where you're, you're not really, uh, you're not seated, you're not like belted in, you're kind of up in the aircraft moving around. I did use it for that and I felt super confident when doing that because uh, I think the multicam one is rated to like 5,000 pounds load, uh, which is pretty nutty. You know, if you think about that, that's, I don't even know how much a pickup truck weighs, but like, you know, jetpack probably, I don't know what your Mercedes weighs either, but that thing's a freaking tank. So you can damn near pull that thing with that belt. So it's pretty impressive. Well, I, I sold it, so it can't anymore. All right. Well, good job. Good job. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. So, you know, and I, I got to interject here with a, a really important fact. And, and Bronio, you mentioned something about the differences between like a battle belt and duty belt mainly lies in, well, obviously what you're using it for, but you also touched on the retention piece and about how it's used in a different role. And, and for the most part, I would totally agree with you. I think I was just in kind of a unique situation. Um, and there's dudes who are doing exactly what I was doing uh, right now today. So basically what I was doing was I was operating in a, a pretty heavy advisory role on my last trip overseas. And that meant spending a lot of time with a lot of sketchy dudes. And I say they're sketchy dudes and, and you can look up the green on blue attack numbers all day long if you'd like. But for the most part, um, when interacting with Afghans, even on the commando side, they there, there's just so many dynamics going on there, and just so many relationships intermingling with the Taliban, and now with ISIS K influence there in Afghanistan, and you just you never know someone's motivation uh, when you're talking to them, and it it. It means that you are in close proximity with those types of dudes who might actually try to grab your gun. So you, you've got to balance that whole concept of like active retention versus being able to draw super right. quick. And it's, it's weird. And I, because of that, I actually swapped holsters halfway through my deployment because of what you mentioned. So um, because I was operating in that really close proximity to oftentimes a lot of Afghans and and there were rules in place like oh no Americans supposed to be alone with five Afghans and I'd find myself in a room with 25 uh it just it was part of the job man I mean that's that's why we went there that's why we showed up to work so that's what we did um you know I guess fundamentally in that advisory role, though, I was in a, a really weird situation. You know, a lot of people think about deployments, especially on the soft side. They're like, oh, you're going out at night. You got your PVSs. You're just out there kicking in doors looking for HVTs. And it's like, well, yeah, sure. That's that's definitely a part of it. But that day-to-day -day in between when you're actually training your counterparts, you're not, you're not sitting there in full kit, you know. Uh, and, and there's some reasons for that. Um, Fundamentally, you know, we had some other conventional units that were out there advising. Uh, I won't name anybody's units. Uh, <coughs> SVAB. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm so sorry. Pollen's just kicking my ass. Um, <laughs> they would show up and we'd see them. And they would show up to uh, so-called advise their, their Afghan counterparts in their once-a-week meeting. And they'd show up with like six or seven guardian angels who are like designated shooters in full kit with them. And they were super confused at why they weren't making progress. And then there I was in, you know, a Hawaiian shirt and jeans with my battle belt, just like kicking it with my counterparts, figuring out solutions to their problems. So, you know, I didn't want to undermine their trust by, by rolling around full kit, if that makes sense. 
so so that's an interesting point so i mean i'm just trying to kind of wrap my head around it what do you mean undermine their trust by what you were wearing yeah that's a good question i mean it's complex right we're talking about really deep old social values that in play um but afghans themselves they tend to be super prideful about being a good host so part of that means is that they just really want you to feel secure uh you know their base is like oftentimes their home obviously they have their ancestral home or they've got their parents living in such and such village in such and such province but these dudes typically live on base it's kind of like living in the barracks right for them sometimes they sleep in their offices if they're higher level guys so if they see you rolling up with like truckloads of guardian angels it it either shows them that you don't trust them or that you don't appreciate the lengths they've gone through to secure you uh our counterparts took our presence there very seriously they were and it was pretty much known that the commander of the unit I was operating with, that he would literally decimate someone's family if they perpetrated an insider attack against us. And uh, some of the guys it took them a little bit of getting used to, but I was I was really appreciative of that that level of tenacity, uh, especially since insider attack threat is just so real, you know. Um, but with that fact about the dedicated security and how in the Afghan leadership's mind that they're doing all these things to keep you safe in a lot of green on blues. It's actually the security that turns on you and shoots. Um, most notably in, in recent time would have been uh, the attack that almost took out general Miller when he was down in Kandahar and actually successfully killed general Razak, which completely tipped the scales because then the Taliban launched an IO campaign and, and basically said that we had killed Razak and all these, these really poorly educated Afghan soldiers who oftentimes find themselves out on checkpoints or doing basic security, all of a sudden were believing that we had killed Razik, who was one of their heroes growing up as children, and then we were in a really bad spot. So it just kind of shows like how delicate that dynamic was, you know? Um, I mean, if I didn't know the guy I was meeting, I would typically roll with a couple designated shooters or sometimes I was a designated shooter. Uh, my, my commander on the U.S. side loved taking me around with him. Uh, he pretty much knew I was itching to just blast some fool who was coming up on him. Uh, so it, it was tense, and it was that unique situation, right, where once again it's like you broke it down into lines of support and security. So for me, my battle belt was oftentimes it was my first line of defense, but it was like my only line of defense which really structured how I set it up, if that makes sense, you know? Um, yeah, no, it does. So fundamentally how I had mine set up, I mean, if you guys want to hear about it, right? Totally up to you. Nah, keep going, man. Let's get it, dude. All right. It's good energy. It's good energy. we got our adult beverages. We're here to kick it. So given that was my first line of gear, and oftentimes my only line of gear, which I just touched on, I had to do two things with it. I had to be able to make holes and I had to be able to patch holes. All right. Some of you guys who've been around soccer medics, all that kind of stuff, you're going to hear that all the time. All what about gonna... fill holes? Uh, that would be the patching part. Technically, there's some <laughs> filling as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> if you're doing it right, at least. You're packing it up. Um, so do that fact. And because I was in close proximity to these guys all the time, I mean, it was, it was edgy. It was edgy. Even if I knew who they were and I've been working with these guys off and on. I mean, I knew, I knew some dudes at that point for up to a year and we had done some pretty cool stuff together so that that trust was built. But at the same time I was, I was always in the position where I was ready to just blast them. And it, it, as weird as that sounds, I don't know. It, it was a necessity. It was a necessity because that level of trust, even if it was there, it was so delicate that 
that they they can choose to break it first, if that makes sense. Uh, to do that close proximity, I had a blade that I really had to trust in my life in case one of these dudes bumped into me or pulled a knife or something or went for my gun and I had a split second where I can either sit there and wrestle him like an idiot or I can just take his life and then regain possession of my firearm. So I went with a Benchmade Sock P dagger next, right next to my belt buckle, which is actually a really cool spot. So I had it uh, horizontal, so it took up some of that real estate, but it was in such a great position because I could sit there with like my thumbs kind of inter, interlooped in my belt in this really casual kind of cowboyish stance when people are talking to me, which gave them the impression that one, it's good body language. It shows that I'm listening to them and I'm engaged in that conversation. It also shows that I, I don't have my arms crossed or my hands down on my gun. I'm in like a passive stance, but I had that ring available just to loop a finger through and uh, start shanking if I had to. So that was my particular uh, setup for a knife. And then working my way around the belt, I had uh, two G-Code Pistol Mag Tacos, uh, which are, are fantastic. I love tacos. In pretty much every form, um, man, tacos al pastor, choco tacos, taco magazine pouches. It's just, it's all good, all of it. Uh, super easy to reload. Can you expand on what tacos are for the listeners? Because yeah, I'm hungry. I'm hungry right now, and I'm envisioning probably not <laughs> what you're speaking about. Yeah. <laughs> That is, that's true. Jetpack's been boxing. He's working up that appetite. He's getting hungry. There you go. Uh, also, a, a taco, when you're talking about mag, or also, I've seen them uh, listed as radio pouches as well. can be a taco. It, it's a open-faced pouch that wraps around whatever it's holding. And it typically has some sort of elastic bands that go around uh, the material actually holding that say the magazine or the radio in order to give it additional retention. And what that does for you is it doesn't have that like Velcro lid that goes over the top of it, that strap. So it allows you super quick access for reloads or just trying to get that item out, whether it's a flashlight, radio, mags, whatever it might be. And it also offers the retention to the point where you can like tip your belt upside down or if you're rolling with somebody getting it on or you fall out of a helicopter or something's going on that's out of your control you actually retain your gear so that, that's basically what a taco is um okay fair yeah so i had the uh, the two tacos right there holding two pistol mags i carried a glock 19 so i had 15 rounds of nine in each and then moving around the back side that's when i started getting into uh, patching holes so we just covered what i was going to use to make holes and uh Actually, we, there's another taco back there, Jetpack. Look at that, man. It's uh, this. This was an HSGI one, though. A little different. So it's a uh, it's a medical taco. So they're M3T IFAC. So IFAC is an individual first aid kit for those of you who are unaware at this current time, but you're not anymore. It's two hand accessible. Super important on a belt. If uh, my left arm got taken off, I would need to operate it with my right and vice versa. Um, or, I mean, if your fingers get crushed, you lose that dexterity. You name it, it's just good to have two-hand accessible. That's something a lot of people jack up, man. They've got them, like, behind some layers of zippers or they've got them, like, super tightly retained. And, like, if, if you can't get it out there with one finger, you're wrong. So keep that one in mind. Uh, it's got a super slick nylon sled, which is badass and it basically just holds all your medical supplies together and I built that out to support myself in that configuration so that IFAC was for me I had my blood type on there a little velcro patch and uh, but the kicker was what I was doing is I wasn't alone and given I was operating with a lot of Afghan commandos and different special operators and for different countries some of them didn't have the best medical uh, training or discipline. For instance, one day we're like, oh, let's pop out this Connex. So we went over there to the Afghan G4, we popped it open, and there's 700 cat tourniquets that they had never opened or distributed. 
like literally like the top life-saving medical device out there and they're just sitting on it in a freaking connex so because of that fact and knowing their their limitations i also carried a bleeder pouch that was another hsgi setup um and all that had in it was basic med so that was just fundamentally there to patch up a local national um because they weren't carrying their own no matter how many times we told them to and showed them how. So moving around to the right side of the belt further, just going a big old bring it around town. I had a, another taco. I had tacos everywhere. And this one actually held a, a flashlight. I was also used to uh, make some holes and it held a, a thousand lumen light which was super handy uh, where we lived at the time. We were like driving around on completely unsecured roads. We were parking in an area that was unsecured and we were walking into our compound and like these dudes would be high on opium and hash and they would just like come out of the freaking bushes out of nowhere. <laughs> there's, there's more than a couple of them that saw just how bright that flashlight was. So that came in super handy. Um, really good idea to have a light on your belt. And then, guys, finally made it around to holsters. Holsters are super important. Um, a lot of people surprisingly skimp on holsters. Drives me nuts. Absolutely nuts. Uh, I had a, a G-Code low-ride RTI set up. So basically an RTI is like these three pins that uh, those are like the, the male end. And they go into like the female end. They lock in place. And that just retains your holster. And I went with a low ride because when I was using my battle belt in conjunction with kit, I didn't want my actual plate carrier digging into my gun or if I had to draw my gun, I didn't necessarily have to do that like hard side bob. You know, dudes are like kicking it to the left to draw on the right. Uh, I, I was just trying to mitigate that as much as possible. And so I had that one linked up with a uh, G-Code uh, OSH holster for the second half of my deployment which we talked about first half though and i mean my whole train up time i had in a, a sock holster from g-code which had that thumb drive retention that Bronia was getting into and i don't know I, I hit the point where i realized if something was going down in a room and I had to draw and fire super fast. I didn't want anything potentially failing or inhibiting me. So, right. you know, I got really comfortable with how to position myself physically in a room to the point where no one was going to successfully grab my gun without putting up one hell of a fight. And once I got that rhythm down and just the various like little tiny minutia of physical positioning, angles, uh, things you're standing up against, all those little things figured out and they became natural, I swapped that holster out for more speed. Um, like I said, I mean, the belt super well balanced, very comfortable. I also took mine off while pooping. Uh, despite that fact, the Velcro isn't even close to being worn out. Ronin did an awesome job. I think the inner belt is actually made out of the same material that uh, wetsuits are made out of neoprene yeah yeah but it's like that really like tough neoprene like splinter cell level tough <laughs> neoprene splinter cell level you know and uh yeah it, it was awesome it was awesome and uh i know da vinci he ended up rolling the same setup uh i took him <laughs> out of his comfort zone initially and uh then he ended up frolicking about and loving it and he ended up running pretty much an identical setup to my belt, and it served him well, very well. I know that was a lot, but you know, I want to I want to dig into it for the listeners. No, that's good. So I'm gonna interject here. Mm -hmm. So, so that was your deployment setup, sure. Um, yeah, and and so that's that's important to kind of note. So, has your has your belt setup changed at all? now that you're home and you've transitioned out of your advisory um what does it look like today Ooh, yeah i mean i've, I've completely transitioned out of the army so 
it, I did modify it slightly and it's going to sound strange, but let me explain something to, to everybody. So I took it from more of an advisory role. I had like the dual med on there. I was focused on kind of being there for my counterparts. If something went down and just trying to balance that, that ability out, right? Patching and making them. However, since then, I actually modified my belt. I pulled off that bleeder pouch, put it on my wife's battle belt. I've got her rigged up with one now. And I swapped that out, shifted my IFAC over to the right a little bit. And I threw on a uh, AR mag holder, another taco. So now it's more of an assaulter setup, which sounds weird, right? Because I'm not conducting crazy combat operations, not going out at night on helicopters again, none of that stuff, right? But let me reference an important definition for you guys and just let it soak in. Let it let it just drain through you. So per, per Webster's Dictionary, my boy Merriam-Webster, terrorism is the unlawful use of violence and intimidation especially against civilians, in the pursuit of political aims. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It sure sounds familiar to me. I mean, goddamn. You turn on the news, you go, go to CNN right now, go to, their, go to their front page. What are you gonna see? What have we yes, seen? Sir. And it's crazy to think about it that way, folks, but what have we, what have we done since September 11th, 2001. We, we've got this image of, of terrorists being radical Islamic organizations, right? Prior to that, it was Timothy McVeigh types and the PLO, that, that little mix. But ever since 9-11, people have this image in their head of what a terrorist looks like. But look at that definition, folks, and think about what's going on. Think about the violence that has erupted in America and our beloved streets and cities, not even just cities, rural areas have succumbed to this as well. So you've got mobs of people numbering anywhere from two or three to two or three hundred, burning, looting, beating people to death with skateboards. Um, I mean, just, just insanity, absolute insanity. And guess what, folks? A lot of their actions and a lot of these groups that are perpetuating those actions are defined as terrorists. So with that being said, guys, that's why I've got an assaulter set up. Because now you never know. Where I live, there's no way in hell Al-Qaeda is going to mess with this town. They got no reason to. But Antifa, they could. They sure as hell could. When 90% of people arrested in a riot scenario, when they pull all their identification and find out they're from out of state in that specific area, what's going on here? They're getting busted in for political aims. So now it's not even about necessarily taking down, say, uh, a school shooter or um, kind of like in, a, in Aurora, Colorado type scenario, you know, you're walking by a movie theater, you hear shots and you just freaking grab your, your kit and go in, get on the phone, dispatch and engage. It's not even about that anymore. It's changed. So there is a, a really big, big uptick in the probability of the average American getting involved in a very kinetic fight with people that are radically motivated and large groups of them, which is weird, boys. Isn't that, isn't that strange to think about in that light? Well, absolutely. Yeah, yep. man. It's just, it, it's nutty. So that's why, um, if, if I don't have a, an opportunity to get to my plate carrier or I've got to travel a little bit light, at least now I've got access to uh, an extra AR mag, so I'm just looking to make more holes, folks. If the time comes, like they say, mess around and find out, that's that's pretty much 
my plan at least on how I plan on defending my that's, home and my family. That's not quite what they say. You censored it, but I did point. censor it. Yeah, I'm trying not to have to put explicit on Spotify. Uh, I don't really know. Maybe there's some kids out there who want to listen to us and learn. I'm not really sure what our uh, demographics are at this point, but uh, we'll get there. Um, another thing I did, guys, is I actually swapped my Glock 19 holster out for uh, a 17 holster. And I've got that baddie set up to accommodate my uh, longer barrel on the 17. I've got that comp, the PMM comp, Parker Mountain Machine Works. And I've got a, a TLR1 high lumen flashlight on there. So that's a gun I really don't care about concealing. It's big, it's bold, it's loud, it's got a flashy boy. So that's it. So Irish, given that you've got a few trips to the sandbox under your belt, oh, you guys get it? Hashtag dad joke. Dad oh, joke. Yeah. yeah, trips under your belt during the Battle Belt episode. You're welcome. Anywho, how do you feel about Battle Belts, man? And, and what setup have you chosen uh, as a result of your, your travels and experience? Well, I didn't really start running a battle belt until my most recent deployment in uh, 2018, 2019, where we were at the same time yep. with SOF. Um, generally speaking, battle belts are frowned upon in the conventional army community since it's not a standard issue. And, and those who've spent time in the service know that about 99% of the time, they'll give a CSM and aneurysm uh, if not everybody's the same. So I really didn't start looking <laughs> into belts until then. Yeah, which um, should be your goal every morning you wake up, by the way. Give us CSM oh, and aneurysm. Always, always, always my first goal of the day. <laughs> by 06. Oh, that's early. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the belt came in handy um, in a lot of those situations early on, um, especially when I was spending a month out in a remote compound that I was setting up to support our operations um, out there. Typically, my interactions were in plain clothes, you know, running a belt in a 9 mil, uh, not very, um, not, not, a whole lot was going on at the time, um, but toward the very end of that month, we had an insider attack, unfortunately, that uh, killed one of our coalition partners, soft members, a, a good buddy of mine, and wounded two others. Uh, so we had to go back to our plate carrier setup, uh, went outside the compound, um, and the belt turned more into a supplement than the primary to that uh, that rig. Right. Yeah, because you were you were pretty close to that incident. I was. I was. I was. Uh, around the corner, about 100 yeah. yards away. Um, there was a death laid uh, in a, a wall that, that blocked us from, from seeing the action that was going on until they, uh, they, they screamed around the corner in their MTVs. Yeah. So it was pretty crazy, pretty yeah, crazy. Definitely, man. Um, but uh, like everybody on the team, you know, I, I shopped around a bit for, for that belt rig that kind of tickled my fancy. Yeah. And for whatever reason, uh, you know, G-Code, series of battle belts caught my eye. Um, if you've ever looked at the G-Code website, they give you an option to build your own belt, buy singular attachments for your own personal setup. Nice. Uh, and they they used to provide more, but they still provide a, a couple full-blown belt options. Um, the last time I looked, um, they just had one other option. Um, I'll go that into a minute, but the belt I chose is no longer featured uh, for, for those G-Code fans out there, but is that G-Code Scorpion series belt in uh, flat dark earth. The closest belt you can find still listed on the website is actually fair, almost 99% of what I have, and it's that Scorpion Low Vis belt, and it's the only full belt setup that I could find. Uh, the big difference in the Low Vis is that there's a leg strap associated with that drop holster, where mine does not have a leg strap um, attached. Okay, that's an interesting point, actually, because uh, on my G-Code holster that I run off of my belt, I didn't have a leg strap, uh, but I most recently just put one on there actually they offered a, an extension um, to that holster I, I figured just for the additional retention but it's definitely not the most comfortable so it's interesting yeah I was gonna you weren't rocking one either I was gonna ask I I enjoy having no leg strap there was uh, allows for a little extra little extra freedom um, I can see why you'd have it on there to hold that belt in place a little bit better especially if you know you're not running any straps between your belt and your uh, your plate carrier but I've never had any issues with it rising or falling uh, too much while running around. Yeah, I mean, it's super slick for your holster when you draw as well. Um, if you don't have that super stiff. I think G-Code's paddle with the RTI hookup is pretty stiff, which is nice. Um, yeah. 
But I mean, I don't know, redundancy, I guess. Yeah, you know, it, it, it works pretty well. Uh, maybe I'll try it out sometime later, but as of right now, I'm pretty comfy with, uh, with what I got. Yeah. But going into that belt, um, naturally we'll start from the inside out. And it has that inner Velcro belt liner that a lot of belts are running nowadays that it easily attaches to your outer belt. The, the inner loop um, does not wrap completely around the circumference of my waist, which is nice. Um, but it, it, it is perfectly fit into that uh, the, the belt loops that you have on, on, running on some of your uh, your pants, as long as you don't have the small belt loops on there. That allows you to attach it and run it through your pant loop if you want um, and, and use it as a, a full belt as well. Uh, or like I used it, I used it more as, a, as an over belt, um, as a patrol over belt with a quick detach so I didn't have to wear it all the time, didn't have to find another belt, undo it, uh, just a little yeah. quicker that way. Yep, definitely. Uh, now, like you, Midas, uh, I also ran a, a Benchmade Sock P, though um, mine's more in my right hip as opposed to yours by the buckle. Uh, similar to your comments, the you know the finger loop at the hill of the knife allows for that quick access and transition to use in, as a last resort. Obviously, a knife is not a first resort in any uh, firefight or, or battle. That's one of those, uh, you know... Shit's about to hit the fan type deal. Excuse my language, but that's pretty much where, yeah. where that comes in handy. Yeah, you're, you're pretty much just trying to create that space so you can draw your, your weapon at that point, your pistol. Yeah. Exactly. Now, right off the the right side of that, I'm off my, my full right hip, I have that G-Code low-rise, uh, low-ride RTI paddle we were discussing yeah. a little bit earlier. There you go. Solid piece. Um, since it drops that holster low enough, uh, to draw your sidearm without getting caught in your chest rig. So for those that, that have those belt loop uh, holsters, a lot of times you know you get caught up in there. If you have a uh, like a nine mil that the army has, the M9, the old you know old army, I guess at this point, pretend like I've been out for a while. Um, it hits the hits the safety of that, that M9 and, and puts you on red. Um, and you always get hemmed up by a CSM that way too. It's another good way to get an aneurysm. Is that why that uh, Navy 04 shot himself in the leg? Oh wait, no, no he's he was just an just idiot. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I got the armor cut um, on my holster for the Glock. Uh, it fits both my Glock 19s. I have a Gen 3 and a Gen 4 with an armor. Gen 3 does not have an armor. Gen 4 does, and my uh, Glock 17 Gen 4 fits in that holster as well. Um, since the the holster is a gravity lock, it doesn't have that that overgrip safety or, or the trigger lock mechanism that would preclude it from being able to fit in there. It sits a little higher, but it still fits and doesn't fall out when uh, when running around or swinging it all over the place. Yeah, definitely. And I, I love your locks, man. They're, they're just pure filth. And, you know, <clears throat> one thing about the 19 versus the 17, it's, it's borderline semantics, but you can definitely uh, master a quicker draw on the 19 due to the shorter barrel length. So depending on what you're doing, you know, there's, there's different reasons to run those different guns, even though they're both nine mils. And that's, you know, why both of us carry um, multiple versions of Glock 9, basically for their, their versatility and just to kind of provide different platforms for different applications. It's nice. Yeah. And, and the, the nice thing with the armor cut is that it opens quicker on the front end. So if you have to do a quick draw with like a, a larger pistol, like the 17, yeah, uh, it does clear the holster you know, just as fast. So it's kind of nice. Yep, definitely. Um, just to the right of center uh, on the back um, of my my pistol rig, I, I do have an RTI attachment that's flush to the belt. That's for a consolidated med pouch. It's a, it's a bit smaller than a full IFAX setup. If you're familiar with the uh, IFAX that, that most, actually all branches typically run. But it does hold extra med supplies to supplement the med kit that I have on the plate carrier chest rig. Yeah, no, that's definitely a, a must, you know. So, so basically, you've got a bleeder pouch hooked up to an RTI paddle, sort of. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I am in the market for another med med pouch that's a, a bit bigger that I can run uh, when I'm running solo and I don't have the the chest rig on, but. Uh, you know, that, the pouch that they give you is nice, but it's not big enough to run a standard issue IFAX scissors. It doesn't have that the space that you'd, you'd run um, with that full IFAX, so I won't even throw a tourniquet in there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's why I would really have to 
shamelessly recommend the HSGI M3T uh, Taco because I mean that thing is super slick with the uh, the dual opposing like Velcro sled that they have. I mean it's just it's entirely ambidextrous. Um, and, and you can make it as big as you want really because that sled with the velcro the way it moves you can really you can have that thing stuffed damn near a med bag in there if you want or you can have it pretty slim so I would highly recommend that moving forward um, if you're looking for a, a solo kind of first line med pouch for that belt well for, for those who don't know about the HSGI um, M3T is that a Velcro opening or is that a zipper opening? Um, so are you talking about getting in the actual med? Getting, yeah, getting in there. So it, it's uh, they call it a like it's like a little med sled, basically. So you've got the pouch itself. I'll put some pictures up on the uh, Insta too to help people visualize this. But you've got the the pouch itself, which is just kind of a nylon taco. And then it's got elastic bands around it just to provide some retention. And then inside of that is, uh, it's just a nylon insert, really, that has two pieces. It's like half and half that Velcro together. And they have those pull tabs on each side, which is super easy. So there's no zippers. There's no nothing. Um, it, it's just like really easy access. Okay. Yeah. So, so my, uh, my little med pouch bleeder setup that you get from G code, it comes with zippers. Uh, you can offset them to the left or right, whichever, you know, you, whichever you, you prefer. Okay. I offset mine to the right since uh, it's a quick strong side access for myself, but it's also in that perfect spot right around my back uh, that a buddy could come up uh, access without hindering my ability to gauge a target in front of me. So if you know, you're in a firefight and shooting aim, aim forward down range, you know, you can come up behind me, Midas, and jump in there and, and grab whatever you need um, yep. to perform first aid. Nice. Additionally, you know, I, I did leave some space on the right side of my belt uh, for an additional tourniquet for myself or for another member of the team to grab. Since generally I do run two to three others on person or in the play carrier, now, that all depends on what I'm wearing uh, as a, a outer layer uh, when we're running around. Nice. Off the... Uh, the left side from front to back, I have two G-Code uh, Pistol Taco mag pouches and two, uh, and, and that just kind of takes away that necessity to run any mag pouches on your actual play carrier to save some space on there for anything else you might need, like for myself, throw another tourniquet on there. Um, and then following back a little bit farther on there, I do have the 556 equivalent um, tacos, two of those. Uh, so I can run an M4 mag, two M4 mags on there. So I can do that solo, still run the M4, have two reloads uh, with two reloads for the Glock as well. Nice. <clears throat> yep. And then what I plan to do in the future, because, you know, though I do have a couple you know, M4 equivalents um, and one short barrel uh, M4 kind of pistol variant, I do love my 308s, right? So I do want to buy a couple of those 308 mag pouches, the uh, the taco mag pouches in the future, just in case I do run my mega uh, AR-10 oh, that I discussed. Yeah. The cannon. Oh, yeah. And for those who, who haven't heard it yet, I discussed that back in episode 1.2, uh, titled The Last Rifle, Pick Your Piece. So it's it's a great, great rifle, uh, and especially if, you know, that quick exit type scenario at least I'd have a few extra mags there uh, since I won't be running as, as many rounds just due to the size and weight that comes with those uh, 308 rounds. The attachments are super easy to change out on those on the G-Code rigs uh, on their belts. Um, so you, you don't have any issue with swapping out a 5.56 to a 308 mag pouch. Uh, but overall, I'd say, like most of our belts, it's super versatile. So even though it came with everything attached, I can plug and play as I want, pull them off, move them around take everything off if I want to and just run as a regular belt and just throw some random stuff on there if I wanted to. Uh, the only thing I don't currently have and we'll be purchasing pretty soon uh, is a drop mag pouch uh, to retain any spent mags for future use. That's one thing that I do want. I don't want to spend that extra time you know, replacing a, an empty mag into my chest rig or onto the pistol belt because uh, you just don't have that time to think about it um, when, you're, when you're engaging the enemy. 
but you know during that, that quick transition you can throw it in the back um you can throw any, anyone else's that they drop to the ground back there in a lull uh, and move on yeah i mean i think as long as you train with it it can be an asset um i've seen quite a few dudes with them on their belts uh when they're, when they're firing or you know under that that level of stress just throwing their mags on the ground anyhow even though they have a dump patch in the back so that's why i always joke they're they're built for gummy bears and bad decisions you know yeah well it's, it's always nice to have as an option right so yeah yeah true if generally speaking i'll be dropping them too but you know after <laughs> afterwards when you're we're picking stuff up it's an easier place to throw them in yeah yeah definitely awesome dude oh thanks that was a that was a great rundown of your belt that's just fantastic awesome irish no i i i appreciate that that's that's really good insight and so i'll add to that so um kind of like i alluded to earlier um with my upcoming deployment so um i'll be deploying uh, but my role so i'm going to be a company commander um yep. so my role is going to be quite a bit different than yours was um so in your opinion how does that how does that dictate what my belt like should look like and consist of so for instance like my primary weapon is going to be a pistol as a commander like i'm i'm just by mto i'm not issued a rifle um so there's really no need for any extra mag carriers or a dump pouch or anything like that so i'd be interested to get kind of the team's thoughts on that yeah dude i mean i think you brought up a great great point right there too and you said hey here's what i'm going to be doing when i'm deployed granted that's not all encompassing right You're, you don't really know exactly what that role as a company commander is going to look like because there's been plenty of company commanders that have been shot up uh in the past but for the most part you know you're acknowledging your role being an actual commander, probably a little bit removed from, from the hot and heavy, but there's still going to be opportunities for you to lead from the front and knowing you as a person. And I mean, we've known each other for a long time, dude. I know you're going to want to get in there and, and be there with your guys because you're, you're a damn good leader. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just the truth. It's the truth. And uh, I think you just got to match your belt to that functionality. Um, and, and don't ever fall into a category of, oh, if you're an officer and you use your gun, then you're wrong. Or then something went really bad. No kidding. Something went wrong. It's a war. Or I'm conducting combat operations. Stuff goes wrong every three minutes. Right? So I, I always cringe when I, when I heard that, man. I think that's just an excuse for a lot of officers to not develop combat skills. That's that's actually a really fair point because you, you hear that a lot. Like, oh boy, if if I'm pulling the trigger, it, it's a bad day. Yeah, dude, which is absolute asinine. I mean, I was in positions where, despite having some NCOs around, we were kind of officer heavy advisory setup. You know, dude, like because of my experience and my capability. I was the shooter if something went wrong. Like, that was me, man. It wasn't going to be some E7 with six tours to Iraq sitting there waiting to cap somebody. Like, that. it's just not realistic depending on what you're doing. So, like, I, I just I feel like that is such a crappy excuse for officers to make for not developing combat skills. Like, oh. I'm a company commander of 184. That means they'd have to get through 184 before they got to me. You know, that kind of BS. Oh, my God. Makes me so angry. So fucking angry. And you owe it to your guys to be prepared. You want to set the right example. Um, But with that being said, if you're never leaving the FOB because the higher echelon you're working for has the impression that company commanders are never expendable and you must be guarded at all costs. You might not even need a belt, dude, uh, for that, for that deployment, right? You might not, but assuming that you will go out every now and then and do some high speed stuff, you know, just being ready, but, but not being a tool is pretty much the name of your game. Dump pouches, meh, outside of competition. I'm not a big fan personally. 
Um, I put my gummy bears in my cargo pockets typically. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. I, I feel like it's just excess real estate you're taking up. So I, I wouldn't run one of those by any means. But for you, dude, just two pistol tacos, super easy. Uh, you know, keep some nine mil on you, ready to rock and roll in the form of those tacos. Get yourself an IFAC. HSGI has got a really good deal going on those M3Ts. And, and all you do is whenever you get in the theater, go to your med station, get plussed up. Super easy. And I'd run a knife of some sort. I mean, if you're opening up bags of Jolly Ranchers or someone's throat, it's equally as handy, you know? It's good to have one around. So That's I'd, have, I'd have a blade and uh, maybe, a, maybe a flashlight depending on what's going on. Uh, but I wouldn't go too crazy, you know, past that. I think IFAC patch holes, mags, make holes. And uh, for a holster, uh, depending on what you're rocking over there, you know, just let me know and I can even, I can get you set up with uh, with one of my rigs. Uh, I'd recommend just G-Code. They're, they're straight money for belt rigs. Um, if I'm not running a belt, then you know I'll dabble in my my MFT. I've got another G-code concealing holster, but can't go wrong with those guys. There's others out there for sure, but uh, yeah, man. I mean, like I said, the good good news is if you're just going around inside the wire, chances are nothing bad's going to happen. If it does, it might be IDF, but insider attack is still a threat as well, especially where you're going. There's all kinds of contracted support on every single base and you never know what their intentions are and you don't want to be sitting there wishing that you had such and such, but you didn't because you fell into that lull of complacency. Uh, so just just keep that one in mind. It, it's a tough balance, right. dude. You, yep. don't want to, you don't want to be a tool, but you want to be alive too. Yeah, it's, it's, That's, it's tricky. <laughs> I, I definitely value being alive live quite a bit. So, um, yes. no, that's important. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that, that all makes sense, though? Yeah, no, yeah, it does. And so, I mean, not going to lie, guys, this was, this was pretty informative. It definitely gives me quite a bit to chew on over the next few days um, as I kind of start to look into everything. And I guess probably doing, doing, not just research, but more like informed research, you know, knowing what I'm actually looking at and with some end states in mind of where I need to be. I mean, that's, that's key. Um, I can't guarantee that mine's going to look as, as glamorous as yours. The one that you just put on the, the IG page, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it will definitely be purposely built for what I need. Um, you know, my role in country and, yeah. And like you said, that's that's what's uh, most important. So no, this was this was good. It's a good exercise. Yeah, and, and fundamentally, dude, I mean, based off what we talked about, when you asked me about my current civilian setup when I'm back stateside, um it, it's a great idea to really have that capability on deck now. You know, it's a lot of the things that I've seen overseas are happening here. Which is pretty disheartening, but at the same time, guys, you know, we're, we're not sheep. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're here because you're not a sheep. And I'm not going to do the whole sheepdog, wolf right. analogy, right. but, you know, you're, you're interested in defending yourself. That's why you're here. And that's awesome. So do it right. Have that capability handy, guys. I mean, personally now, I mean, I know where to empty my wallet. You know, I've been <laughs> looking to knock this out for... Quite some time, and I can't think of a better crew to, you know, throw all the options at the wall and see what sticks. So thanks to Irish, thanks to Midas, and thanks to everyone that's on this talk. Yeah, yeah, definitely, dude. I mean, there's a lot of great gear out there. Some of it's not cheap, but hey, you know, don't don't overstretch yourself, guys. Don't rack up credit card bills, get all tactical. You know, I mean, looking cool is great, can be important. Uh, sometimes looking cool is enough of a deterrent for people to leave you alone. 
there's data to prove that. However, just make diligent decisions. Match your skill set. Match whatever you're doing with it. And uh, if you ever have any questions, you know, you can always hit us up. Always. We are always down to talk. We, we get DMs from people every single day asking us different questions, whether it's talking about uh, some mental health concerns that they're having. You know, I, I man, if I'm at work and, and a vet pops into my DM or anybody and they're saying, hey, dude, I've been kind of having a hard time lately. I mean, I've walked out of meetings at work before and went and sat outside and chatted with people. It's it's important. And, uh, you know, on the topic of great gear, we're not sponsored by anybody. You know, we're, we're not. No one pays us to make this podcast. But there are still some really great people in the industry that are just, they're awesome. They're so cool. Just really great people. And uh, the folks over at Mission First Tactical definitely fall into that category. So if you're looking to pick up some awesome rifle stocks, their minimalist stock is one of my favorites. You can hear all about it on episode 1.2, the last rifle, when we go over our, our rundowns of our, our boog type rifles in a scenario. Um, they got awesome drinkware. It's great. They've got these uh, water bottles that look just like smoke grenades, and I rock the CS1 every day at work. Good conversation starter. Uh, all kinds of gear, and you can use the, the discount code PATH5, capital P, capital F, for 20% off at checkout. 20% is a big chunk, folks. That's no joke. It's better than most military discounts companies offer. So there you go. That's our gift from us to you. But thank you so much. We love you guys. And if you're not following us right now, you should be. Path underscore five. P-A-T-H underscore F-I-V-E. On Instagram. Like, let's go. We always got, we always got content coming out. We, we got good stuff. Yeah, not bad. And we're always looking to get better stuff. We're looking to progress. And that's an awesome interface for us to talk with you guys. Hit us up. Be like, hey, that Midas guy needs to blow his nose before he goes on the podcast. Be like, yeah, dude, Pollen's wrecking my whole game plan. You know, whatever it might be, just hit us up. It's fine. We've got thick skin, and we're, we're always down to improve.